Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, hi, good morning, everyone. Yeah, hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along. Tradies Dues in a nutshell for your Friday morning. Happy Friday to you. It is the 19th of January, 2024. Daniel Pedro back with you for the final one of the week. Uh, through the next hour, broadcasting as always through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 is always our open line number. Call up anytime. You'll get straight on the air or you can text 0457 736 736. I've got the building all to myself today because breakfast with James Magnuson and Michael Carianis in an hour we coming to you live from Manly Beach. So if you are in the Sydney area, you live around Manly, you want to make it the um, a travel down towards the Manly area, you can go and say hi to James and Michael through the course of the next few hours. They will be on in an hour's time for breakfast. Looking forward to that. Before that, though, big show, cricket, uh, a lot going on. Looks like it could actually end today. Uh, on the third day, we will talk to our cricket expert, Paul Dennett, in the next 15 minutes to get his thoughts on what has happened uh, this test match. We may also touch on the Big Bash, of course, business end of the season for the Big Bash. We'll have a chat with Paul shortly. John Gallo, the Socceroos were in action uh, last night. We'll talk about that in just a second. But John Gallo will be on the line in about half an hour to preview uh, the EPL this weekend. Another shortened weekend of the EPL, sort of a continuation of what happened last weekend. Uh, but we will preview all of that with John Gallo coming up in about half an hour's time from now. But as I say, most importantly, want to hear from you, one 1170 or 0457-736-736. Uh, we'll get to the cricket and the tennis shortly. Let's start with the cricket, sort of. Uh, I want to know this morning on the open line, the text line, on the back of Shamar Joseph. Now, it looks like, and we don't know, this test badge has been moving pretty quickly, and we'll talk to Paul Dennett, as I say, about it very shortly. But the West Indies, uh, 6 for 73, they still trail Australia by 22 runs. So it looks like it could be done pretty quickly today, uh, unless the West Indies can stage some sort of miracle fight back. But aside from that, Shamar Joseph, very, very good debut. Five wickets, good with the bat as well. We'll talk to Paul about that shortly. But got me thinking, best debuts in sport. Can be here locally, can be overseas. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Best debuts in sport, whether it be NRL, AFL, cricket, EPL over there in England, NFL, any sport you like. The best debuts that you can remember from a player. Um, and it's funny, some players who have an amazing debut go on to play two, 300 games in their various sports. Some only play a handful of games after that for various reasons. So best debuts in sport, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 So as I say, the West Indies, 6 for 73 after Australia made 283 in their first innings. 
Uh, but the West Indies still trailing Australia by uh, 22 runs with only four wickets remaining. So you would have to think uh, they it would be over today, which would be disappointing because at various stages yesterday, uh, and no doubt Paul will uh, have his say on this, Australia looked like they could be struggling, but uh, unfortunately for the West Indies, just not able uh, to do much with the bat, which was the big fear um, coming into this test series. Uh, six for 73 at the moment. We'll talk to Paul Dennett more about that uh, in about 10 minutes' time from now when he joins me on the line. Your thoughts on the cricket, though? You enjoyed it? As I said, it looks like it's going to finish today. Don't forget, though, you will hear uh, the rest of the action here on SEN straight after the breakfast shows coming up in a few hours' time from now. So we'll get to all of the cricket shortly with Paul Dennett. Tennis yesterday. Uh, what a remarkable night. Of tennis, and I woke up to hear about the longest tiebreaker ever, and not a great day for Australians, it has to be said. Let's start at this. Uh, Anna Blinkova from Russia eliminated the number three seed Elena Rabakina in the biggest story of the day. Now, it took her three sets, and Blinkova won the third set tiebreaker 22 20. Uh, this is the all-time record for the longest tiebreaker in Grand Slam history. Rubikina is also now the biggest name to be uh, Rubikina, sorry, is also now the biggest name to be eliminated at this year's Australian Open, either on the men's or the women's side. Uh, she was last year's run last year's runner-up, twenty-two twenty in a tiebreaker. Uh, we know now that they have the tiebreaker, and it has been now for a few years. At the end of the third or fifth set, depending whether it be men's or women's. Um, for those people that were there last night uh, watching that match, which was on Rod Laver Arena, and I've managed to catch some of the highlights this morning, they will never forget that. Quite unbelievable. Went two hours and 46 minutes, that match. And 22-20 tiebreaker in the end. Did you stay up and watch that? Was it as memorable as it sounds? As I said, I've managed to see some of the highlights. Would have been great to be able to watch it in full. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. And you've got to think for the people that, yes, were watching it on TV, but the people that were there at Rod Laver Arena last night witnessing that, that's something that they will never forget. So if you want, give it me your most memorable moment in sport that you've been to live. The most memorable moment in sport that you've seen live, 0457 736 736. Whether that would be number one or not for the people that were there, I'm not sure, but uh, what a match. And the number three seed gone on the women's side. Uh, Now, at the same time as that, uh, Holger Rune was eliminated. Uh, The number eight seed uh, was eliminated uh, by wildcard from France, uh, Arthur Kuzaks. So he uh, seemed to have a few issues, Rune, with... Uh, his left knee or quad, uh, but out. So the number three seed on the women's side gone, the number eight seed on the men's side gone. Also, now, this would have upset Chris Perkins. Uh, He gave his tips a week ago, our American correspondent on this show, and he said, Carlos Elcaraz, who did win yesterday, did lose a set, but did win yesterday. He also said Jessica Pegula. She's gone. Uh, Women's number five seed gone. Uh, last night was eliminated, as was the 2021 US Open uh, champion Emma Raducanu, also gone. 
A lot of close calls. So Daniel Medvedev, he had to fight five sets uh, to win. Alexander Zverev, again, the same thing, five sets. Uh, Igor Schwantek, I watched this match against Daniel Collins yesterday, and there's a bit more news on Daniel Collins in a second. Uh, Daniel had her on the ropes. Uh, it was a pretty tense first set, and then Daniel Collins in the second set, very good. Uh, dominating her, and then in that third set, did have a few chances. Danielle Collins actually broke her uh, and had the chance to eliminate the world number one, but then Inga Schwantek, and we know how good of a player she is, world number one for a reason, managed to come back, but it was definitely uh, a scare. And following Danielle Collins's loss yesterday, uh, she announced this will be her last Australian Open, and she's stepping away from the game at the end of this season. 30 years old, and we remember that name very well because she was the runner-up to Ash Barty in the 2022 Australian Open and has had health issues off the court as well, uh, which may have stopped her from achieving more in the game because we know we saw in 2022, we saw yesterday, if you watched that match yesterday afternoon, she can definitely play. So disappointing to hear that, that she is going to, uh, retire at the end of the season. Uh, to, uh, tonight, uh, Storm Hunter uh, will be second up on Rod Laver Arena. And Alex Demonor will be third up on John Kane Arena, not before 7 p.m. So he'll be the headline act in terms of the Australians tonight. Uh, on Rod Laver Arena, though, Novak Djokovic will be in action. He'll be first up on Rod Laver Arena. Rublev also in action. He's second in the Margaret Court Arena night session um, and a lot of other big names playing. Yannick Sinner, uh, Stefanos Sitsipas as well in action. What have you made of the tennis so far? I think it's been very entertaining to watch. Um, we're only into day six, of course, because uh, we'd started a bit earlier on on the Sunday. Your thoughts? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And give me uh, the most memorable moment in sport that you were there to watch live. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six and just before a break and then we'll have a chat with Paul Dennett, our cricket expert. Overnight the Socceroos in the Asian Cup made it two from two. One nil win over Syria thanks to a goal from Jackson Irvine. Jones. Boyle, that's better. Gets rid of two defenders. Martin Boyle. And still going. Here's Jackson Irvine. Cup finals. It was Martin Boyle who made it. And then Jackson Irvine's perseverance ensured that the ball trickled over the line. Simon Hill with the call there, thanks to Channel 10. So 1 0 Australia over Syria after their 2 0 win against India on Saturday night. So the final group game is against Uzbekistan on Tuesday night at 10.30 p.m., but they have already qualified for the next stage. So well done to the Socceroos, 1-0 over Syria. Uh, if you saw the match, happy, uh, it was late last night, so it would, wouldn't have ended until about 12.30, so only about four and a half hours ago. But if you did stay up and watch that, uh, let me know, 0457 736 736. And as I say, we'll talk more football, EPL, with John Gallo uh, in about 20 or so minutes on the show. So plenty to talk about on this Friday morning as we head into another big weekend of sport with the Big Bash, the Australian Open, 
the Test Cricket, at least today. Uh, your thoughts, the best debuts of all time in sport, anywhere in the world, 0457 736 736. And the most memorable moment in sport that you witnessed live. 1-300-01-1170-0457-736-736. We'll take a break. On the other side of this, we'll have a chat with our cricket expert, Paul Dennett. It's 12 past five in New South Wales, 12 past four in Queensland. This is Tradies News in a Nutshell for your Friday morning. Good to have your company, 16 past five in New South Wales, 16 past four in Queensland. In about 15 or so minutes, we will have a chat with John Gallo. Preview the round of English Premier League coming up this weekend. What to know are the best debuts of all time in any sport? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Going to have a chat with Paul Dennett in just a second. This is in the back of Shamar Joseph taking five wickets over the past couple of days. Doesn't look like it will get the West Indies over the line, but still an impressive debut. And after that tennis match last night, uh, the final set tiebreaker, 22-20. I want to know uh, the most memorable moments in sport you've witnessed live at the ground. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 or any questions for this next man. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. And we do this for the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. Paul Dennett, our cricket expert, is on the line this morning. Morning to you, Paul. Morning, Daniel. How are you going? Very good. Have, how's your week been? At least you've seen a couple of full days of cricket. I'm not entirely sure you're going to get witness a full day today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've um, not done the uh, Adelaide Oval much favours in, in terms of they're not going to get any cricket on the weekend. But even so, they've still had um, about 50,000 turn up for the first two days. And I, I'm, I'm quite happy because I was worried that this could become farcical. And although mm. Australia now looks almost certain to win it um, quite comfortably, for, uh, you know, with about two hours left on the second day's play when um, Australia's innings had ended and the lead was only 90-odd, the West Indies were really in the contest and they've done so many things that have been really good. But, yeah, I've, 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 it's probably about as good as it could have been expected, I think. Yeah, and, and it was interesting because I saw, and I was flicking, I have to say, between the tennis and the cricket yesterday. But even early on yesterday, people were saying, oh, Australia might be in a bit of trouble here, which is good. Now, they are more than likely going to win, and we'll get to the innings of Travis Head in just a second. But I remember we spoke last week about it on the back of the Pakistan series, which was very exciting. And look, not many people really thought that series was going to be as competitive as it was. And Pakistan, as we know, had a lot of chances to win uh, the Boxing Day test and the New Year's test. People were worried about how competitive this series was going to be. Now, when this match ends, which was more than likely going to be today, maybe it won't tell the whole story of the match because there have been little bits of the past couple of days where Australia have been under pressure. Yeah, they certainly have. And the West Indies have done a lot of things right, which is so rare for touring size. I think the moment that sort of exemplified that was that the slips were a little bit uh, too deep because the ball wasn't carrying. And it seems such a simple thing, but so many touring sides just, oh, well, we'll just leave the slips where they are and then the ball doesn't carry. West Indies brought um, third slip Greaves up closer and actually brought him so close to the bat that he actually had to wear a helmet, if you can mm. believe a third slip wearing a helmet. Um, next ball, Mitchell Marsh nicks one and he dives and takes this incredible catch inches from the ground. 
And it was like, wow, that is so different to what you would sometimes expect, that they, they did the little things right. A little bit while later, at the end of his amazing innings, Travis Head skied one, and it was, you know, it was windy, the sun was out, the, the rope was in the way, and Hodge running 45 degrees with the ball, I was 100% certain he would drop it, and he caught it. And the crowd reacted with, uh, you know, a bit of disappointment that Head was out. But it was, again, this is not what you expect from a, a touring side that is so undermanned. So I think it shows that if world cricket could throw a few, um, a little bit of money at the West Indian way, mm. there have been glimpses of what they were, at, you know, the, the, the box office draw cards they were. The crowd's fallen in love with Shamar Joseph for good reason. Um, you know, what might have been and what still could be is still a possibility with the West Indies. Yeah, and I suppose that goes back, and we'll talk more about this match in just a second, but I suppose that goes back to what we've been discussing when you've been in the studio the past few weeks, uh, Paul, about the fact that Test cricket is at a real delicate point at the moment because we know all the T20 leagues right across the world and people have come out over the past two or three weeks saying they fear for the future of Test cricket. So if we could get a competitive West Indies side, uh, more competitive than they are now, then it definitely will help the future of Test cricket. A hundred percent. And I was um, was actually having a friendly argument with someone on on TikTok during this this match, and he was uh, from India saying, oh, test cricket's useless, it's boring. And as he was saying that, Travis Head was hitting consecutive sixes, and then that <laughs> catch that I described to you was taken. And the thing is, yeah, you get more sixes and stuff in T20, but it means more in test hmm. cricket. When you hit a six in test cricket, and um, the, the, the alternative of getting out and, and letting your side down over a five-day game, it means more. I think that if we can get to the point where we have, yeah, lots of T20 leagues around the world, but carve out some windows for Test cricket, pay some money to these um, what we're, what are now second tier, now get them back to first tier, it'll be ultimately uh, best for the for the overall health of, of cricket, and ultimately everyone will ultimately make more money for, from it. Yeah, you mentioned the Travis Head innings came at a very important time for Australia after they were struggling. We'll get to t- uh, Steve Smith and Cam Green in a second, but Travis Head once again the star. Yes, he had a slightly um, quiet period at the start of this summer, but he underlined that as good as Steve Smith and Manus Labashain and Usman Khawaja are, right now, if I had to pick only one player to be the batter for Australia, it's Travis Head for sure. Mm. And if he wasn't in that side, the West Indies could be in a, a, a very strong position because it's just uh, instrumental looking down the scorecard of the Australian first innings at all the strike rates and how they're all in sort of a around about the 40 to to 50 mark. And then suddenly Travis Head's strike rate is 89. Um, He he plays in that kind of Adam Gilchrist way of, if you don't get me, I'm going to get you very quickly. And yeah, he might have to have a little bit of luck early on, but if he gets that, he takes the game away. And the the lead disappeared so quickly um, for the West Indies. And before you knew it, uh, Travis Head had batted Australia into a, into a, a strong position. And the other thing was the West Indies did so many things right in terms of not bowling wild short balls that opposition teams so often do, except they they kind of did that wrong thing to Travis Head. Some of the commentators said it was the right thing to do. I, I just think on this pitch where there's a little bit of movement, you need to bowl very, very tightly to Travis Head and, and make him play shots to good balls. Instead, they dropped it short. He, he, he rode his luck. He, he had a, a couple of nasty ones, but then he started to smashed the ball uh, into the into the crowd. And it was exhilarating stuff. Once he got his 100 and he started to really open up, it was tremendous entertainment. Yeah, really, really good to see. Steve Smith out for 12, Cameron Green, uh, not much better. I mean, we spoke last week about this um, and we thought 
are we going to be able one way or another to decide after the West Indies series, whatever happened, whether it be brilliant, whether it be not, uh, in regards to Steve Smith, definitely Steve Smith at the top of the order, and of course Cameron Green uh, as well. Um, what did you make of Steve Smith firstly, his first innings at the top of the order? Um, well, I mean, I think it's one of these ones where he got a good ball. It was a tremendous moment, Shamar Joseph's first ball in Test cricket. And it's funny because we talked about it and we agreed that if he was to succeed against the West Indies, then that wouldn't yet confirm that it was the right thing to do to move him to the top of the order. Um, but actually, as it turns out, because they bowled so well, mm. had he got um, some runs, I think it would have been almost enough for, for, for that to be uh, confirmed as, as a success. I still think it's the right thing. I am. I, I think that the, the significance of batting order is overstated given that so often in his career batting at number four, he's in fa- he's been in fairly quickly anyway. Yeah. I do think that Cameron Green should sit down with Travis Head and, and say, listen, what? let me back the way you do. because he, And he was probably starting to. He played a couple of aggressive shots. But again, the ball that he got out to, fairly um, insipid sort of defensive shot to a good ball. Yeah. But I think that Green's talent is so enormous that they should say to him, listen, Go out and play like it's a, a one-dayer. Um, you're going to be in the side for the long term. Ride your luck like Travis Head. And he, he would instantly start to, to play much better. Yeah, going to be interesting as well. We, we had a few texts on the text line this week about the fact, what if, uh, and we haven't seen this yet, but what if Steve Smith doesn't do well at the top of the order and Cameron Green does? Uh, does Steve Smith then get dropped? Look, I think that I, I can't see him being dropped, but there have been a few people texting in and I've seen a bit of commentary on social media as well about Steve Smith and uh, the future. Look, there's a long way to go. He's such a good player, but uh, yeah, you, you'd want him to start finding a bit more form on a consistent basis pretty shortly. Uh, second test match against the West Indies that begins, what, next week? Uh, and then especially in that test series against New Zealand because it's a busy couple of summers coming up, as we've touched on. Yeah, and I think that it, the, the thing with Smith is that his output over the last couple of years hasn't been at the high level that he once was, where... Mm. His average of, you know, in, into the low 60s has started to drop. But even, I think, the calendar year of, uh, of 2023, he still averaged in the, in the low 40s. And so mm. I, I think that he, he's a long, long way from, from being dropped. Let's parlay it forward. If he was to, if he was to keep on failing, mm. um, they would keep on picking him. And the thing is, there's only these two test matches against New Zealand after the second test against the West Indies until November when we mm. play India. So... Mm. It would then come down to um, he, he, he's going to be picked for the series against India almost no matter what. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a long way away from, from, from that being a discussion. Now, we'll talk about Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood in a second. And you sort of touched on the West Indies earlier and the future of the West Indies. But what have you made of them in this match up and down quite clearly? Uh, Shamar Joseph, though, five wickets on debut. So they have had some really good signs in this test match in between uh, pits where they have struggled, in particular in this second innings at the moment. Yeah, and I think that what what kind of they looked like on paper going into the series was that their bowling is actually okay. Mm. It was their batting that was really going to um, be the issue, and that they've they've had five players pull out of the tour, um, and that you look at some of their first class records, and they are extremely modest. And they they kind of got found out in the first innings. Shamar Joseph um, helped them to uh, a somewhat respectable score, scoring thirty eight or so on debut, smacking the ball into the crowd. Um, and then in the second innings, when Hazelwood has just run through them, 
it's it's kind of been a bridge too far. But as you said, um, Joseph, everyone's taken great delight in uh, sort of relaying the story of his upbringing, how he comes from a, a remote part of Guyana and has only played a handful of first-class games and has barely played uh, any organised cricket until fairly recently. And just his um, his charisma is is reminiscent of so many charismatic player, West Indian players of old that so the the standard is so high. They play with a smile on their face, and um, you know, uh, reading about um, I think it was Jim Maxwell talking about when he first saw the West Indians arrive all all that many years ago was kind of what got him into cricket because the the the, this, the sort of passion and charisma and charm with which they played, and he has that, and he, he's obviously a very very fine player as well. So. Uh, and there's been others as well. Uh, Graves, who has um, got a, a, a short but fairly decent first-class record, has picked up a few wickets and uh, has looked pretty good. And their catching, by and large, has been pretty good and pretty athletic as well. So, yeah, there's, um, as I said at the, start, at the top of the interview, uh, it's gone better than I thought it would have. Now, uh, Pat Cummins has been amazing this summer, as we know. A lot of people calling it the summer of Pat Cummins, and probably quite rightly so. But Josh Hazelwood, in particular, in this test match, has been fantastic. But I think uh, with all the applause that goes to Pat Cummins, and quite rightly so, uh, Josh Hazelwood does get a little overlooked at times, and he's, again, been so good for Australia over many, many years. Yeah, I mean, the... It's, it, was, it was so expected that in those conditions with the ball just moving enough and it was reminiscent of what he did to India uh, a couple of years ago when Australia dismissed India for 36 in Adelaide. It, it's just almost impossible to face him. That he's, He never bowls a ball that's inaccurate. He's faster than he looks as well. Like he's quite quick. Uh, and when you see him up close, you just think, how could anyone play him? He's so tall. And it was just... Yeah, I mean, I suppose... Um, I think it was Brett Lee in commentary said maybe the West Indians would have been better off going out there and really playing aggressively right from the start. And they probably would have, although it might not have worked either. Mm. It's it's remarkable. I remember um, seeing the footage of Dennis Lilly breaking um, Fred Truman's record of 307 wickets uh, in 1981. And it was a massive moment. And it just seemed like, wow, he's got the most wickets in the world. 307. What a number. Well, um, and now Australia has currently got four players all in excess of 250 wickets. It won't be that long if they keep on going that they could have all four players with more than what was the world record not that long ago. It is, uh, it's a remarkable era and there's kind of no signs of it lessening. They're, they're all looking in, in good health and fit and, and looking ready to go for a couple more years yet. Yeah, hopefully they do play on for many more years. Just before I get your quick take on the big bash, you just wanted to have your say on the umpiring in this match. Well, I think that just so many of us are frustrated, not so much by the umpiring itself, but by the law of umpires call where Travis Head, uh, when he was early on in his innings, got hit in front. I thought I would have given it out live. The umpire gave it not out, which is fair enough. The um, West Indians reviewed it and it was umpires call because less than half of the ball was hitting leg stump. Now, they have umpires call in to sort of uh, deal with perceived errors in the technology. and It might not be millimetre perfect, but it's um, it's centimetre perfect. And on a simple one like that, where there was nothing really wrong, that was hitting the stumps. It should have been out. And had it been out, then we would have been robbed of the wonderful innings of Travis Head. But the match itself would have been much more competitive. And mm. I just don't understand why we don't go down the tennis route and just say, even if it's just hitting by a millimetre, that's it. It's fine. And people will say, oh, it's a projection rather than um, uh, in tennis where it's just showing what has happened. Yeah, that's fine. But it's still... 
the best way we've got to, to work things out. It, it, it's time to make it happen. And, it, you know, give a bone to the bowlers who are sometimes struggling. So I think that's hopefully something that's not, not too far down the track in the next couple of years. All right, business end of the Big Bash season. I know you were out there last Friday watching uh, the Sydney smash with over 40,000 people. Uh, Sydney Six is back in action tonight against the Brisbane Heat. How do you see that match going? And uh, we'll probably speak next week before it all ends. But if you had to pick a team that's going to win now, who would your money be on? I think it's actually on the Sixers. I think okay. that um, the Brisbane, poor old Brisbane, have to play um, at the Gold Coast tonight because the um, the Gabba's out of action, getting ready for the the second test against the West Indies. So, um, and it was just such a massive win the other night against the Scorchers, which was yeah a pivotal moment because it meant that Sydney can potentially avoid now having to play a semi final in Perth. If they can beat the heat tonight, that will mean that Sydney actually hosts the final come Wednesday. So if they lose to the heat tonight and the Scorchers beat the Strikers, then um, Sydney will um, have to go back across to... um, uh, We'll we'll have to face Perth again and that will be challenging. But I think um, after that win the other night, chasing a a massive total in the West, it was probably one of the best big, big bash games ever played. Um, Moses Enriquez got the job done at the end and uh, Daniel Hughes batted really well early, early on as well. So I think I think that the Sixers are going to beat the, the Heat tonight. And just uh, in one minute, got a te- text asking about most memorable moments of sport you've witnessed uh, live. Carmelo on the text says, Peter Taylor's test debut, 6 for 78 at the SCG versus England. I still remember the newspaper headline, Peter Who. Peter Who. Peter Who. There. <laughs> they actually interviewed Mark Taylor. Uh, because they thought it must have been him, because he was also, uh, he, he'd never played a test match at all. He was an opener for New South Wales. And uh, Peter Taylor also got a 50 uh, in that game. And mm. yeah, it was a, quite, a, quite a stunning test debut. Um, best thing I've ever seen live in sport is still Australia qualifying against Uruguay for the World Cup mm. in 2000, November 2005. That was an atmosphere. I don't think I've ever seen the likes before or since in Australia. And that's a really good lead-in because we're going to talk uh, football with John Gallo on the other side of the break. Uh, Paul, great stuff as always. Enjoy the rest of the test. Enjoy the big bash as well, and we'll chat next week. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, Paul Dennett on the line talking all things cricket. Quick text before a break. Steve, the Colleton Bulldog says, Good morning, Dan. My best memory of watching something live was when the Bulldogs beat the Roosters in the grand final. Uh, but the number one was watching Kathy Freeman winning the Sydney 2000 Olympics 200-metre uh, final. Cheers, Steve, the Colleton Bulldog. Yeah, that would have been uh, brilliant to be there. Most memorable moments in sport you've witnessed live. Best debuts of all time, 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. We do that for the Makita XGT the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. John Gallo on the other side of this talking all things EPL.